Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everybody? This is Noah Daniels. Welcome to a very special, spooky episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. Ooh, spooky. I'm so excited. I'm JJ. I'm Kat. And we're here tonight. We're going to bring you some scary stories. Ooh. Ooh. So you guys getting into the Halloween spirit? Are you guys ready? Hmm. Uh... You know... It doesn't I... sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I dressed up as Edgar Allan Poe for a thing, um, but I don't really have a costume yet. I did buy elf ears when I went to Scotland. Did you go to Scotland? I went to Scotland recently, oh you guys. God. Like elf ears like Dobby or elf ears like Santa Claus? No, like Dobby for okay. sure. We were on the street that Diagon Alley from Harry Potter is supposed to be based off of. In fact, if you typed Diagon Alley into your Google Maps, it would take you to Victoria Street in Edinburgh. Is Santa Claus an elf? Oh, yeah, is he? Does he he just employ elves? He's kind of like Willy Wonka. I think he does say a jolly big elf in that book. Is that a real thing or did you make that up? In The Night Before Christmas and all the original one. Mm. He was a jolly good elf. Oh, yeah, that's like the Lord's Prayer for Santa. <laughs> Are elves green? For some reason, I picture them being green. Mm, no. What, what kind of elves not. have you been researching? Maybe just because the movie Elf, he's always wearing green. Well, I'm really not a Lord of the Rings fan. So we were, <laughs> oh, they're so pretty in Lord of the Rings. The elves are the prettiest species in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. Although Dobby is a lot more loyal, so it'd probably be better to date Dobby than one of those elves from Lord of the Rings. Shout out to Liv Tyler, though. Well, yeah, and yeah. Orlando Bloom and the other ones, but mainly yeah. those two. They're pretty. Anyway, so on Diagon Alley, we were going into, there's like a joke shop there that, you know, there's one in Diagon Alley. So we had to go into the joke shop. It was a Halloween costume kind of store. And one year, like four years ago, I was a drunk elf for Halloween. That was my cop out. I just like glued ears to my ears and just got drunk. Sorry, mom, for listening. Anyway, so... I saw them at the store and they just go on your ears. They just clip around your ears. There's no need for glue or tape. And I was like, I have to get these. Well, I expect because to they... see them on Halloween night. Yeah, for sure. So maybe I'll just be an elf again. Yeah. I'm going to definitely, I decided, go as Guy Fieri. Mm. Oh, nice. I think that'll be a fun, easy, Yeah. add a little spice to everybody's yeah. life. JJ, what about you? Are you you got any costumes you're gonna wear for Halloween? No, I don't have. <laughs> I need to. I need to find a costume. Um, so if you are a listener and you have ideas God. for last minute costumes, Cos- on, the, wait, on Halloween God, day when wait, you're listening to the, <laughs> can you go back? Oh yeah, it's Halloween day. That's the best time to make your Halloween costume. Also, JJ just said costumes. Mm. So if. Those Listeners, are the best. if anyone out there That's says, how I say it. says costume <laughs> instead of costume, please stop listening to our podcast. Oh, JJ, I have a suggestion I think would look great. Yeah. Can, can you go as Mo from uh, The Office? 
Mo from the office? Mr. White's. Dwight's brother. Oh, Moe's. Moe's. That's right. Yeah. Welcome to yeah. Moe's. Yeah. Wait, wasn't it Moses or no? Nope, it was Moe's. Mm. Oh, different story. Maybe it's short for Moses. I don't know. I think your beard would work really well for that character. Uh, for our listeners, I have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really sexy. <laughs> for our late night listeners, JJ has a beard maybe there's a, a couple costume in the oh i didn't know <laughs> i thought you were gonna make a beard joke i was like where is this going <laughs> oh you don't know my beard growing habits <laughs> i don't you're that's fair all right well now that we've talked a little halloween goodness <laughs> who wants to go first on their spooky story i'll go this is a little different from our regular episode instead of interviewing a guest about their direct encounters with the supernatural we're just talking about some of our favorite paranormal stories that we've heard mine has a little bit of a direct connection to myself but not really in an exciting way um so get ready for a boring story just no, it's just, exciting guys <laughs> bells and whistles beep, 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 beep. Just i'll try to keep it exciting okay that so... wasn't a bell or a whistle what you just did <laughs> you, you don't know my bells and whistles oh i do you just did it so my story is about an allegedly haunted place outside of London called Chislehurst Caves. Ooh. The reason I learned about Chislehurst Caves uh, is I have a cousin who used to live in London and my brother and I visited her one summer. She and her husband took us to these caves for a, a cave tour. It was really cool. And so we got to learn a little bit about some of the uh, ghost sightings that had happened there. But for some quick history, so uh, Chislehurst Caves is about, there's about 20 miles of tunnels underground. So these are big caves. They're not naturally occurring, they're man-made. And we were told by the tour guide that they were originally excavated by druids as like part of uh, their like religious ceremonies. They would have them underground, maybe some human sacrifice, who knows. Now, I, I did some research in preparation for this. Yeah. Are druids the okay. ones that don't believe in electricity and like baked pies? Druids um, were like the ancient... Are they robots? They are uh, uh, priests. In the Anglo-Saxon days before mm. before England was a Christian place. Oh, anyway, so wow. so I was told that it was excavated by Druids for religious stuff. And then later on, the Roman Empire built into it further for other things. I don't know. That uh, all apparently is not true or is questionable. Mm. Um, that was uh, something that the person who owned the caves just kind of put out into the universe as a way to attract some more tourists. Uh, the caves were initially built in the mid 1200s as a, a chalk and flint mine. Really interesting, during World War II, because the Germans were uh, bombing the shit out of England, they used to use the caves as an underground shelter for people. And as many as 15,000 people would go under the caves during these bombing raids. And they even have like a little stage set up in the caves where like they would have little shows for the kids to kind of distract them from the fact that they were living in a, a war zone. And after World War II, a lot of famous uh, musicians and bands like Jimi Hendrix and the Rolling Stones uh, would do concerts down there in that cave, which is super hmm. cool. But anyways, there have been 
a lot of supposed ghost sightings or hearings. Uh, apparently, it's common for uh, people to hear the sounds of children laughing. So perhaps those children who were enjoying a nice play while they were hiding from bombs. There's also been stories of children crying. There's apparently some horse stables near the entrance of the cave where the, the stables uh, collapsed and fell into the caves and the horses died. And there's one night of the year where allegedly you can see uh, riders on these horses uh, riding around town. And I couldn't find what the day of the year was in my research, but there's one day of the year. And apparently this is like such a prevalent story that people who live there will leave during that day of the year because they just, they don't want to mess with that shit. So people in the town will leave the town because... Yeah, they're like, they plan their vacations around that ghost horse riding. It can't be good for like real estate. Well, but you know, if the ghosts are predictable and like consistent, then you know, you can easily work around that. You know, it's a good excuse to go on a vacation. Ghosts are known to be reliable and consistent. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. 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 Okay. Great. Uh, (laughs) Wow. The skeptic comes out. (laughs) The story. (laughs) Great. Great. Um, Cool. 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 But the most famous ghost is the Lady in White. And there's an area in the caves underground where there's a a little uh, pool that collects. It's called the Haunted Pool. Apparently, skeleton of some lady was found in this pool. People believe that it was one of the uh, miners uh, that he had murdered his wife. And then took her body down there to to hide her her body, so he wouldn't get in trouble. Uh, and Smart. and she people have said that they have seen this lady floating around the pool. Our tour guide told us that if anyone who touches or disturbs the water in any way would be haunted by the lady in white. Did you touch it? Of course I touched okay. it. <laughs> yeah. So naturally, my brother, who is even more of a skeptic than I am, we both looked at each other after hearing this and then just oh like splashed God, no. the water. What and... if it was true and you were haunted by the lady in white? Well, I was not haunted and thus cemented my skepticism in ghosts because I was not visited by a ghostly lady. Didn't they write a song about her? Like, lady in white? That's the lady in red. Oh. Lady in red. Wait, am I wrong? Her name was Lola. That's a different one. She did the cha-cha. We have heard a couple like ladies in white. Well, I feel like white's a good color for ghosts. (laughs) White or gray. Maybe red if it's like a real scary bloody ghost. And they had a challenge. They used to have a challenge in this cave for anyone who could spend 24 hours in the cave alone. And there would be like a cash prize and, you know, glory and a t-shirt, a (laughs) t-shirt. Only one person has ever successfully completed the challenge. Oh, wow. And that person has said that he would never do it again, no matter how much money was uh, rewarded. And the last person to have done the challenge was in 1986. Mm. And the people outside of the cave heard him screaming. They went down to the cave to find him. And they found him 
on the floor convulsing like he was having a seizure foaming yes. at the mouth he had never had any seizures any form of epilepsy or anything mm. before then so they took him out and they uh no longer allow that challenge oh they ended the competition so, yeah they ended it there now granted granite cave <laughs> god damn it oh, wow. <laughs> um, wow. these these caves are in pitch black right uh, which is not a setting that humans are accustomed to being in. I have a feeling that your mind might do some really crazy stuff mm. uh, being in uh, pitch black for a while. There was one part in during the tour of the cave where we had to turn all of our lanterns off and just experience the pitch black for a while. And it was it was really strange and disorienting like i mean i i don't know if any of you have ever been in a completely pitch black Mm -hmm. environment but it's it's freaky Uh, and i i can't imagine you know we only did it for like a minute or two so trying to spend an entire night in that kind of situation i i feel like you're really uh making yourself more susceptible to being tricked by your brain funny you said that because last night i went from my bedroom to my office to get something and it was it was really late and i was like you know what i'm not gonna turn on any light and i'm just gonna see if i if things feel spooky just because of the environment not because there is something spooky in the house it was fucking scary uh-huh yeah. like i walked into the side wall because i couldn't see it uh-huh and then I had to start feeling things around and I thought I found the office and then I walked into the closet door and that was scary. And then I finally made it into the office and it was such a relief. And I was like, so I'm proud of you. It just makes me wonder like how many spooky things are just because people are afraid of the dark. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I was oh, legitimately yeah. scared just because it was dark and I would see like little flashes of light bleeding in from outside and stuff. And I was like, well, you can kind of see how somebody could have a fast experience and just give that over to it being a paranormal experience Mm -hmm. for sure yeah well and what was the name of that area jj the caves were called chiselhurst caves okay i once did there was an exhibit in atlanta the bodies exhibit Mm -hmm. and attached to it was dialogue in the dark for just a little bit of time actually it was there for a couple years and it's basically you go and get to just experience what it's like to be blind and they take you into a room and your tour guides are are also blind And um, you get a walking stick and you go through these rooms where like the lights are slowly dimmed to the point where they're all out at the end. And your brain definitely will start showing you different colors or different Mm. things that you think are lights. Phantom vision is a definite thing that happens with Mm. people that maybe had vision and then had an experience where they were now blind. Hmm. Um, My friend's grandfather was like completely blind and would have dreams or just he would be awake and would just suddenly be like in a barn. Oh, fascinating. His brain would just like... Like a phantom limb. Mm-hmm. That vision. Yeah. Very Gosh, that seems horrifying. Which makes me think if you're in the pitch black dark, I don't know what your brain's going to show you, but maybe yeah. it's the lady in white. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, JJ, thanks for sharing that. That was a lot of fun. I uh, haven't been in many caves. I don't, th- you know, I know people <laughs> will do like cave exploring. That's a thing, yeah. you know, where they'll go in. And mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm slightly claustrophobic. Um, and that's always kind of prevented me from volunteering, putting myself in those situations, but Mm -hmm. kudos to you for 
checking that out. That I'm sounds pretty crazy. super into cave tours. Really? I, I I mean, I haven't done a lot. It sounds like I've done a ton. But like every, I've done like three cave tours in my life, and all of them were amazing experiences. And is this the kind where you like have a helmet on and everything? No, it wasn't like that intense. The it was like like you just kind of walk through caves and like a tour guide. I'm not like spelunking or anything like that. But there was one where there was like a gap between the cave floor and the cave ceiling that was like one foot high. And we had to like crawl on our stomachs and get through. Now the cave tours, I went to Aruba once and we did a cave tour. They had a couple ones there, but I have been like caving like or Mm. spelunking, I guess. And I was so claustrophobic. Like I hated it, which stinks because it was an okay experience, but you know, a lot of people really love it, but I just like needed to feel the fresh air. Spelunking Mm. sounds like it would be a really hard stain to get out of your shirt. Oh yeah? Great. <laughs> <laughs> Noah with the jokes. <laughs> All right. Well, JJ, thanks for sharing that. And Kat, did you want to go next? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to mix it up and I'm going to do an alien abduction story. Yes. So get excited. Still creepy, still spooky. Um, Some X-Files. Based on a true story. So. Oh. I wanted to figure out the best way to tell this story. Instead of taking notes, I just figured I'd find one someone that had already typed it up nicely for me. And I'm going to be reading the words from Les Hewitt from Paranorms.com. Uh, the Unresolved podcast did an episode on this. So oh, awesome. if you want to check that out, I bet they did a great job too. On September 19th, 1961, a reported event occurred on the back roads of New Hampshire that single-handedly rewrote what experts believed about UFO encounters. So until this time, only a handful of reports of similar nature had surfaced. Um, So this one was really highly publicized at the time and so many details to go through um, based on this couple's reports. So let's see here. Their names were Betty and Barney Hill. And this is their story. The Hills were a married couple living in Portsmouth, New Hampshire with their pet dog, Delcy. What a great name, Delcy. Betty was a social worker, and Barney worked for the post office. They were respected members of their community as members of the NAACP and the Unitarian Church. In fact, the governor had appointed Barney to serve on the state civil rights committee. So, um, yeah, after a short vacation to Niagara Falls, they were driving home on Highway 3 through the White Mountains. So shout out to our... People that live near Niagara Falls and know Highway 3. Betty sat in the passenger seat and was idly gazing out of the window when she noticed a bright light that she initially thought was a star. It seemed to be following them, but it was moving erratically. The couple had a brief conversation about it. Barney initially assumed that it was just an ordinary aircraft, but Betty suggested they pull over so they could get a better look. And also to give Delcy a pit stop because dogs have to pee, right? Barney stopped the car and got out his binoculars. Betty looked first. She knew it wasn't a star when she saw a spinning craft with an odd shape and flashing lights of different colors. Mm. Barney took his turn to look through the binoculars. Although he had presumed it must be an airplane, he saw it rapidly descend and move in their direction. Too quick to be a plane. He rushed back to the car and continued to drive toward, hmm, Franconia Notch. Say that again? Uh, Franconia Notch? (laughs) If you are from Franconia Notch and you're appalled by the pronunciation, (laughs) please email us with a phonetic pronunciation of your area. Mm. Is Mm -hmm. it a town? 
You know, I couldn't tell you. Let, let us know that too. Real Hauntings <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. So they decided to get in the car and continue that drive. And Betty watched the craft as it got closer and closer until it was right over them, forcing them to stop the car in the middle of the road. Hmm. Barney did not know what they were looking at, but it was huge and silent. It hovered about 100 feet above them. He grabbed his pistol and the binoculars. First off, very prepared. Pistol yeah. and binoculars in He's his car. ready to go. <laughs> Um, And they went out to investigate. Barney saw windows across a pancake-shaped object. As he moved toward it, he saw something else that made him turn and run back to the car. Inside, there were up to 11 beings that didn't quite look human. They were staring at him through the windows. Now, this is all on recording of Barney giving this synopsis of their experience. Barney hysterically ran back to the car, drove away as fast as he could, but the hills were suddenly overcome by buzzing and tingling throughout their bodies. This was when things became very cloudy for them. When they regained full consciousness, they were once again experiencing the tingling, and they were 35 miles further down the road without a clear memory of how they got there. And so, you know, the first thing that they... when Obviously, when they're telling the story to people, they're like, we don't believe you at all. So the first thing that they're saying is like, well, there's 35 minutes. We're like, for however long time that we just don't remember anything. Anyway, so when they arrived home around dawn, they both felt strange. They knew they had seen something. They couldn't really remember what happened. They still felt the buzzing sensations. Um, And this little excerpt says, both Betty and Barney had physical changes from the night before, including Betty's torn and stained dress, Barney's scraped shoe, and a broken binocular strap. But neither of them had any memories of these things that had happened. Each of them also owned a watch... And after the previous night's events, neither watch ever worked again. Attention quickly turned to the car on the back of the vehicle. Shiny circles of a concentric nature were discovered. A compass. Compass or compass? What would you say? Uh, I say compost. What was the word compass? Compass or compass? Compass. Like a thing you use to find the direction. (laughs) A compass. Okay. 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 Costume. (laughs) i can't wait to see your halloween costume (laughs) okay uh but neither of them had any memories of these things having happened each also owned a watch and after the previous night's events neither watch ever worked again attention quickly turned to the car on the back of the vehicle shiny circles of a concentric nature were discovered a compass placed near the circles indicated that the circles were magnetized Betty confided in her sister, who strongly advised that she get in touch with the local Air Force Base because that's really easy to do, get in touch with your local Air Force Base, right? Yeah, it's just oh, 912. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> to report the incident. Of course, this what, when did I say this was? In 61? Yep, 1961. Wow. So it was probably... Still trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Barney was more concerned with being labeled eccentric, but allowed his wife to get in touch that was kind of yeah thank you barney for allowing your wife to do something (laughs) at the time she made her first report okay so five days later major paul henderson visits the hills at their home and completed an official inquiry so this is a report by the nicap okay which is the national investigations committee on aerial phenomena Mm -hmm. 10 days after the encounter betty began to have vivid dreams about the strange event So memories started kind of coming back in the form of a dream. Five nights in a row, her dreams contained small men in uniforms who forced the hills into a strange craft and subjected them to examinations. She wrote this down in her dream journal. Um, Betty went to the library, found the book on UFO phenomenon, and she contacted directly the author of it. And their investigation began about a month after the sighting. 
Both the Hills were interviewed at length by NICAP officials. Um, and they both admitted to seeing the same thing. A large disc that was silent. The people that Barney said he saw were somehow not human. So the couple, they tried to put the whole episode behind them, but they were being affected in different ways. Barney grew more and more stressed and anxious as time went on. Outsiders assumed that this was due to their interracial marriage, an uncommon occurrence during this generation. Wait, 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 wait. Time wait, 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 out. Wait, what? They were abducted by aliens because of their interracial marriage? Mm, no. So, Those aliens are not woke. <laughs> <laughs> at all. So, I, other articles I read said that at first, Barney didn't want to draw attention because at the time, they already had a lot of attention being because an interracial were, couple. Uh, so, he was already sense. stressed and anxious. And so, they just assumed that was because of that. Yeah. Some criticized the pair based solely on their union. None of this helped either spouse. And things got so bad for Barney, he was forced to take time off work in order to try and recover. Things weren't great for Betty. She turned her attention toward trying to find out as much as she could about their perceived encounter. Um, and then Barney started seeing a therapist, etc. So it's very progressive of Barney in 1961. Mm-hmm. Well, they had these feelings that something happened and they couldn't quite piece it together. Imagine just like, well, not remembering a part of your life, but then again, Ben's drinking. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> That was dark. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Catherine's mom. Oh, no! <laughs> I didn't. I, okay. Um, so then, so a speaker at their church gave a talk about, you know, his poetry. And then Betty and Barney attended and listened to it. And they talked to him about it. And he told them, this is the guy that was talking about his poetry. He said he dabbles in hypnotherapy. <clears throat> so at the end of the talk, Betty and Barney asked him, if he thought hypnotherapy might be able to help them remember some things that they forgot. They also asked for his help, but he declined because he didn't feel that he was qualified. Instead, he recommended they ask Barney's therapist for a referral to a legit hypnotherapist, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Have either of you been hypnotized before? I've never had somebody diddle in hypnotherapy (laughs) on me. I've seen it. But it's You've never, seen hypnotherapy? Well, I've seen hypnosis, like, oh, you know, okay. where the guy comes. After six months of starting hypnosis, the doctor, his name is Dr. Benjamin Simon, he started using hypnotic regression. Hmm. So during the first sessions, Dr. Simon concluded by inducing amnesia to each partner in order to reduce the possibility of potential collusion out of the session. Hmm. So if neither was able to remember what happened, then there was less chance of them discussing matters among themselves. In his sessions, Barney had many new recollections, such as meeting an Irishman that had red hair. There were also beings there that didn't seem to be human. All of these individuals were dressed in similar-looking uniforms. Each had a peaked cap and silver piping on the uniform itself that reminded Barney of Nazi uniforms. Show JJ those pictures on your laptop. Yeah. So according to his own memories during hypnosis, Barney said the crew spoke a language he could not understand, and also English, but they weren't using their mouths. Barney said they appeared to use thought transference. Ah. Dude, those pictures are straight up Voldemort. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. It looks like a little preteen mm-hmm. Voldemort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> preteen <laughs> Voldemort. Um, that was Tom Riddle. Does he not even know? But Tom Riddle had a nose. Yeah. So, but no, I understand. We'll post these pictures for you guys. Betty reported similar events during her hypnotic sessions separately from her husband. Both revealed that they underwent medical exams during which the beings took numerous samples that included blood, bodily fluids, and hair. 
Betty also stated that as part of her exam, skin samples were taken. Much of what Betty had mentioned during her sessions were things that she had already written in her journal. It did say her dress was ripped. That's wow. very nice. You guys are like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then they found out something took place on board the craft that only Betty noted. She indicated that the aliens showed her a map of where they came from, which she drew during one of her sessions. Some people believe this could be the location of the home world. Additionally, Betty had indicated that the beings showed her trade routes that they used frequently, routes they didn't take often, and those that they took for expeditions. It's very odd. Yeah. I mean, it's super detailed. Where is she pulling this stuff Excuse from? me, ma'am, as we take your skin cells and talk to you <laughs> through our mind holes. Wait, do your alien voice. We want to share with you our trade routes. These are less... Free. I'd be like, what? Yeah, no. like why would they show her a map? Give me the secret of life. If this I don't... is like your secret, like as an alien, if like your job is to go abduct people to yeah. test them and put them back, why would you tell them your life story? Unless they're lonely and bored. It's These lonely like, out in space. These are like the reject quote, aliens quote, that have no friends and they come down and fraternize with... This These guys kind of sound like the Ferengi from Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Just like really annoying, only care about their little trade routes. Well, and... here's the cool part is that this map was evidence for some people. Because sometime around 1970, a teacher from Ohio made a match to the Zeta Reticuli star system. Is that something I should know? Sure, yeah. Everybody our star knows about system? that. It looked just like the map Betty drew and also included our own scent. That's not our galaxy. Okay. I, well, I don't... I don't. JJ's What's the difference between a star system and a galaxy? Like a star system... To me, is like the solar system, oh. which is part of the Milky Way galaxy. So basically, she drew this map. And then in, in 1970, this other map of this star system was created. And it matches hers almost perfectly, hmm. which proves that their experience was genuine to some people. That's about it. Um, they did keep quiet for a while. And then towards the end of 1965, they got real famous. They wrote a book. And there's a plaque uh, where it happened, a historical marker in New Hampshire commemorating the 50th an anniversary of Betty and Barney Hill's encounter. Wow, that plaque looks really official. <laughs> yeah. So are they still alive? Mm-hmm. Really? Can we get them on the podcast? Right. Oh, well. <laughs> it was <laughs> 61 when they were abducted. Do we need to find a medium to get So their experience <laughs> yeah. turned into the most well-known of all UFO reports and would set the stage for many others like it. As the 1960s progressed, Barney's health began to worsen. In February 1969, he died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Betty never remarried after his death and went on to become something of a UFO celebrity until her own death in 2004. So he didn't live much longer after that. Yeah. Oh, maybe they came and took him home. Ooh. Do y'all believe in UFOs and aliens? Is that, or are you uh, UFO alien skeptics? And I guess. We should probably differentiate between UFOs and aliens because a UFO could literally be anything flying yeah. around. Uh -huh. It does. It could. It doesn't have to be from out. So let's take it from the alien spectrum. That scares me a lot more than ghosts. The idea of like some higher being flying around in a spaceship. Oh, I'm um, way more scared of there not being aliens. Really? Than ghosts. I mean, and not to say that like I'm I'm skeptical of people who've claimed that aliens have visited this planet but for the entire universe to not have any life yeah. other than humans that's it seems weird. really small minded to think that we're the only intellectual creatures right. in the universe yeah there's too many coincidences between like 
just the ages and everything. Yeah. Well, and there's, yeah, a, and there's so many other planets that people keep finding that they're like, ooh, this is a, a proto-Earth. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. planets that have similar They're just so far away. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I think if I could pick to meet a ghost or an alien, I would pick a ghost. Because uh, mm. I feel like if aliens come down... We're going to be their dolphins. And have you seen how we treat dolphins Ooh, in this world? That's a good I mean, <laughs> the alien in this story was clearly just trying to make conversation. And then as he took samples home. against their <laughs> consent. I uh, or she, I don't know the sex of the alien. <laughs> I would much rather be an alien. And I'm I'm going on board that ship and I'm, JJ's I'm, like already giving skin samples I'm, JJ's the just doorway. like <laughs> I'm, I'm going wherever they take me and I'm I'm gonna let them probe me as much as they want oh God. I just wanna go to outer space well, so if you're an alien listening to this podcast come and take JJ please <laughs> email us at realhauntingpodcast at gmail.com and I will send you my coordinates and you can you can just beam me up and anyone who wants to come along oh, man all right well on that note we're gonna shift gears and we'll get to my story so all you real haunters out there i want you to turn the volume up get ready because things are gonna get scary so yeah this uh this story i did some research and once i started reading about we'll call her the protagonist of the story. I kind of got obsessed because I had never heard the story before. Mm -hmm. She's probably been on other podcasts, but I don't remember hearing about it. This is the story of Lavinia Fisher and her husband, John Fisher. And Lavinia is a ghost that haunts a jail in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, which we all know Charleston is like one of the alleged most haunted uh, towns in America. So um, some believe that she was the first female serial killer in America. A equality. (laughs) (laughs) She's a trailblazer. She really was. So she lived from 1793 to 1820. Uh, So this is back when the primary mode of transportation was horse. Something that was interesting about her. So not only was she an alleged serial killer, she was a confirmed gang member in a gang of highwaymen. So for you that are not familiar with highwaymen, they ride horses, rob people, and fuck them up. That's my understanding of a highwayman. How do you fuck them up? I kill them, beat them, Ah, take their stuff. Um, I mean, we've all heard that Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson highwayman song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, can you sing it real quick? The highwaymen. That's all I got. Wow, that was so informational. So, uh, yeah, so she was a confirmed gang member of of a highwayman, which was kind of cool because there weren't a lot of women who were highwaymen, hence the name highwaymen. It wasn't very, uh, wasn't a lot of equality in the 1700s. Not an inclusive workplace. No. Well, even the word woman, it's kind of like, Has, whoa, yeah. not a man. Let's yeah. say woman. <laughs> whoa, man. <laughs> so something that's interesting about her and her husband, they, they owned a house or a hotel in Charleston. It was called the Six Mile Wafer House, and it was next to the Five Mile Wafer House. So what she allegedly did, because I don't know her, this is a long time ago, but supposedly she would invite guests in to the hotel. They would come in for refuge. She would get them some tea, mix a little poison in with their tea. Hell yeah. Interrogate them, see what belongings they had with them. They would die. 
Her husband and her would drag their corpses out of the back of the hotel and dump them. <gasps> so the town folk started to catch on that the guests would just disappear. They would enter and then they would never see them again. Mm. So they would go to the sheriff and say, hey, you know, the fishers are up to some funny business in there. Go check it out. But the fishers were so beloved in that community because there were so many gang members and roughnecks that lived there the sheriff never took it serious or just didn't want to waste his time getting in the middle of whatever nefarious actions they had going on so the other legend about her and how she would murder people she would take them to their hotel room they would get settled in be in their bed fast asleep and then she had a lever that she would pull the bed would split in two and drop them down into like a cavern that had spikes that would kill them. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that is that a confirmed <laughs> story? Did they find this uh, spiked cavern? It's part of the legend. Part of the legend. Right. So yeah, so it's pretty wild. That to me was like one of those like, wait, what That's kind of kinky. moments? You know, yeah, dropped them right in the spikes. So everything came to a head when a traveler by the name of John Peoples found himself in the wafer house. He was offered tea by Lavinia, but lucky for him. He didn't like tea much and dumped it out when she wasn't looking. After being interrogated by her, he was escorted to his room and he was feeling, you know, kind of unsettled by her and her presence. So he refused to sleep in the bed. So he slept in a wooden chair next to the bed. Nice. During the night, his bed folded together, revealing a pit that would have led to his death. He jumped out of the window of the room, jumped onto his horse and rode back into Charleston to alert the police. So he goes and alerts the police. They show back up to confront Lavinia and her husband, John. The whole gang comes out of highwaymen, and they're getting ready to have a shootout with the police. John, being the romantic that he is, turns everybody in because he doesn't want his wife to get shot in the altercation. Oh, John, such a romantic. So back then, they would sometimes put people like John and Lavinia in the same jail cell. So they kept them in holding during their trial. The judge found them guilty of highway robbery, which was a capital offense, and carried the death penalty. So he ordered them to the gallows to be hung. But they weren't found guilty of murder? No, uh, they couldn't prove any murder. All they had was the, the dude's story and then some of the past actions of robbery from being mm -hmm. a highwayman. But I think because uh, being a highwayman carried such nefarious actions that they would punish people with death back then for them. Uh, uh -huh. Which is kind of wild to me. The judge ordered them to be hung, but they announced that they wanted to file an appeal. So he granted the appeal. So while uh, he granted their ability to file an appeal. So during this time, while the appeal was going on, they were in this jail cell uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. The jail cell was six by eight feet and it wasn't very secure. So they got the idea, we're just gonna break out of this jail. We're highwaymen, for we're sure. gone, you know? So they tie linens and like start climbing out of the jail cell. And John is going first, being a gentleman, I guess. Romantic. Romantic. Yeah. And the linens break. So he falls down and he's free. She's stuck in jail. But he loves her so much that he allows himself to get captured so he can go back into jail with her. So they, wow, they that's lose. that's stupid. It's <laughs> romantic. Is it? So they lose the appeal. Uh, they're, the order to be hung is uh, upheld. So this is where things get really interesting. So John, meanwhile, he converts to Christianity. He starts seeing a priest. 
Uh, he renounces his actions in front of a congregation. He's still going to be hung to death, but at least he, you know, believes that he's going to go to heaven after he's hung. So he kind of feels that, you know, presumably at peace with what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, Lavinia is a gangster. She, not only does she not go to any religion, she requests that she be hung in her wedding dress. Hell yeah. So when they are on their way to the gallows, John calmly walks up goes up to the noose escorted by the guards lavinia goes kicking and screaming they have to carry her to the gallows so she's standing there noose in front and she's cursing people out and it comes to a moment where she's gonna be hung so what does she do she looks out to the crowd and she says, if you have a message for the devil, tell me now because I'm about to see him. Puts the noose around her own neck and jumps <gasps> off the platform. What a Damn. Lavin Lavinia? <laughs> Lavinia? Lavinia, I think. Lavin Avril Lavigne? Avril Lavigne. <laughs> this is the Avril story Lavigne? of Avril Lavigne. <laughs> yeah, like that's the most yeah. gangster shit I've heard from the 1700s. Like this lady did not care. She was going out on her own terms. Don't get me wrong. She's a bad human being, but a pretty damn cool she's story. She's OG. Yeah. OG as fuck. <laughs> as what? <laughs> fuck. I got really insecure about saying that. <laughs> Noah, we just want you to know you can feel comfortable cussing on this oh, podcast. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, I we're here for it. you. Thank you. You guys are here for me, and I, I appreciate that. So she dies. Now we get to the haunting, right? You got to have a death to get some ghost. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately following her death, locals began to report seeing her face floating behind the bars of the windows where her and John were held. Reports of strange occurrences were reported in the year 2000 when renovation and restoration efforts were being made to the jail because there was an earthquake at some point that really damaged the jail. Uh, one of the first reports was workers finding footprints in the dust after the building had been locked off for months due to lead paint contamination. More and more paranormal activity occurred as preservation efforts continued and the building was then, then they decided just to open the building for tourism because there were so many ghost instances and people were getting really curious about what's going on in this building. Several of the people who have visited the historic building often claim to have seen a woman in her wedding dress describe it as being bright red and white. Probably from the blood from the hanging. I imagine if she went out that gangster, there probably had to be some blood involved. You bleed from hanging, right? Or maybe not. I don't I, think I don't, so. I've never done it. Um, That's not my kink. You've but, never done it? No. Oh, you should try. <laughs> Listeners, don't try. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, no. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, so... So people start going on these tours, right? These ghost tours. They're getting to see the jail. And uh, visitors and employees alike have complained of a choking sensation and feeling shortness of breath mm -hmm. once they reach the main staircase. Wow. Others reported being grabbed, pushed, touched, and scratched by unseen forces. A tour guide tells a story of feeling a rope wrap around her ankle and a man in the basement had his sunglasses knocked off by a violent unseen force. Other strange happenings also allegedly occur, such as the terrible odors that are so bad that make people feel ill and they have to run out of the jail. And others report feeling extreme coldness, uh, even though the temperatures in the jail are regulated by like an air conditioner and it's, and it's warm. I mean, my office building also has central AC, but I get very cold. Maybe days. somebody was hung there in the <laughs> 1700s. Uh, visitors have also um, seen their breath come out of their mouth. 
and uh, you know, like when it's cold and you see your breath, so that's kind of weird. Um, and doors are often found open after being closed recently. Hmm. So yeah, man, that's the freaky story of Lavinia Fisher. That is not someone who I would want to have as a ghost. I'd want to no. be her friend. I mean, not like not like the murder. You want to be friends with murders. <laughs> you want to no. be her friend, but you don't want to be invited for tea. Right? Maybe I'm saying I don't want to be on her other side. Maybe I want, would rather have been like a highwayman. Listeners, if you are a murderer <laughs> and you want a friend, no. please email email Cat Real Cat Cat Cat. Podcast. Oh, five 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 five. Well, guys, that was a lot of fun. I uh, feel like I learned a lot. I feel like I got a little more curious about aliens, and I think I learned about a gangster uh, lady from the 1700s. Hell yeah. Real gangster. So we hope that you all have a very spooky Halloween, and we appreciate you spending a little time with us on Halloween or whenever you do choose to listen to this. And let us know if you want more storytelling. You know, this is something we might do every now and then. We enjoy getting to hang out and share stories with each other. And we want to share that experience with you guys. So with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm JJ Crable. And I'm Kat. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.